Joe Chandler is a man whose story went viral on the internet a few weeks ago. He became mildly BuzzFeed famous for being maybe the last person in the nation not to know the results of last month's presidential election. He avoided all news, all tweets, and when he went outside his house, he literally wore earmuffs and a big sign around his neck saying, I don't know who won and I don't want to. Please don't tell me. In doing this, Joe Chandler has sidestepped the results of what has been the most high-profile conflict of our nation this year. He chose not to engage in the squabbles, the rancor, and the one-upsmanship of this highly conflicted election. Our final Advent adventure today on this week before Christmas is the adventure from conflict to peace. Today we trace the journey of Christ and his coming that he leads us on from division and discord back to wholeness and harmony. Would you hop into that journey with me over the next few minutes as we pray now? Father God, thanks for being in charge of all of this. You are the one who has us and holds us and loves us. This is all for you. We give you this time now. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't need to do any convincing in order to tell you that conflict is real and that it's pervasive. We witness and experience and participate in conflicts every single day of our lives. Just turn on the TV, log into Facebook, call your mom maybe. Conflict is all around. And how does each one of us deal with that conflict? Are we the ostrich or the bull? Do we try our hardest to avoid conflict? Do we bury our heads in the sand, pretending that everything is okay? Or, on the flip side, do we love it? Do we relish it? Are we the bull enjoying watching other people squirm? We know both these kinds of people. We are both these kinds of people. But how then shall we live? Neither of these ways, not the ostrich nor the bull, Joe Chandler's strategy cannot work, and neither can the bulls. No. In order to make this life-giving Advent journey a reality, this journey from conflict to peace, we must travel the path of Christ. Our theme verse this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. And you're welcome to flip open your Bibles to that passage. We'll return to it. We'll also dip into many other pieces of Scripture this morning. This is Ephesians 2.14. For he himself, for Jesus himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Christ himself is our peace. What a firm foundation upon which to build our lives and this adventure. So we will go on this adventure. This morning we'll look at three different spheres of conflict that each one of us experiences. Interpersonal conflict, global conflict, and cosmic conflict. And we expect to meet Christ at work in each one of those spheres as we know he already is. So our first sphere of conflict this morning is interpersonal conflict. Conflict between people. This maybe is the kind of conflict that we are most aware of and most used to in our daily lives. 
you know, especially at this time of year, this blissful holiday season, it's actually for many people the, lex- the nexus of family conflict. The Thanksgiving dinner table, the Christmas gift swap, juggling whether to spend time with your in-laws or your own parents. Families are beautiful and they are super messy. Spouses, if you are one of the married people here, do you know how to deal with conflict in your marriage? Parents with kids, did you fight on the way over to church this morning? This is why we've got Paul's dual admonition from Ephesians 6. We have children, obey your parents in the Lord, honor your father and mother on the one hand. We've also got parents, do not exasperate your children, but instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This goes both ways, this conflict between parents and kids. So parents, don't focus on lesser issues like homework and grades at the expense of tending to your kids' souls. And kids, don't exasperate your parents. Do not take advantage of your parents' love for you. Don't think that you are allowed to be a pain or a pill just because they're your parents and they're contractually obligated to love you. We know in all these types of interpersonal conflict, there's actually a million, multi-million dollar industry built around mediating these types of conflicts. And this message right here this morning is not that kind of conflict resolution seminar in that mundane sense. Because we are not a normal family. We, as the body of Christ, are a special kind of family. What about us? What about our family sitting here? There may be people sitting right here in the row in front or behind you that you just can't stand. You may have hurt them or you may have been hurt by them. What are we called to be as the body of Christ? How are we supposed to deal with conflict even in our midst? The key comes from one of Jesus' declarations during the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Jesus calls us to be peacemakers. Peacemaking is one of the core characteristics of a child of God. And you'll hear this, there's a huge difference between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. A peacekeeper is all about conflict avoidance and damage minimalization. A peacekeeper builds walls and barriers in order to keep people from hurting one another, to keep people in their boxes, to keep people from swerving too far out of their lanes. Peacekeeping is cheap. It sweeps things under the rug. It papers over the mold and the asbestos in our relationships that we'd just rather not deal with. But Jesus, in this sermon, does not call us to be peacekeepers. He calls us to be peacemakers. And peacemaking is expensive and hard. Peacemaking is the opposite of peacekeeping. It's tough because peacemaking builds something. You're building peace. And building always takes time. Before we build, we have to acknowledge and deal with the rubble that's around us. So I'll ask you, what might it look like for you to be a builder of peace this year as we close out this year, to be a peacemaker? What would it look like for you to be a peacemaker with your boss, with your dad, with your ex, 
instead of just a peacekeeper. It's hard, and it is only possible through the love and power of Christ. We remember our verse from Ephesians. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. We turn now to the second sphere of conflict that we experience as human beings, this sphere of global conflict. We're talking about conflict across societies. And when we talk about global conflict, we can't not talk about the massive news coming out of Syria that only escalated this very week. The conflict in the city of Aleppo reached its peak as evacuations were stalled Bombings intensified, and makeshift hospital clinics already bursting at the seams with wounded were forced to shut down. So, spoiler alert, Ministry Center, this message recording is not actually live. I know you're all shocked. So you sit two days further into the future than I do right now, with two days more information at your fingertips. You may have heard the apocryphal quote, attributed to theologian Karl Bonhoeffer, who says that Christians are called to engage the world every day. Karl Barth, excuse me. Christians are called to engage the world every morning with the Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. So take God up on this invitation. Take the opportunity to engage and to love God's world and start fueling that love by doing a little bit of Googling about the conflict in Aleppo this afternoon. This crisis in Syria is one of the largest humanitarian conflicts of our day. Perhaps it's made all the more so by the fact that we are witnessing it unfold in real time over social media. This makes the famous bullet dodge question from the parable of the Good Samaritan all that more uncomfortable for us. Jesus, who is my neighbor? In an era of live tweets and Facebook live videos, it's even clearer to us that we have neighbors all across the globe. Y'all, this is not about politics. This is not about politics. This is about the passion and the justice and the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ. However you slice this conflict, whether it's governments or terrorists or freedom fighters or dictators, the fact is that people are dying and people are in need. We know there's religious violence across the globe as well. Just last Sunday, 24 Coptic Christians in Cairo, Egypt, were killed inside their church in a bombing as they gathered to worship Christ. Jesus, who is my neighbor? A few weeks ago, I recently got a hold of video footage of an interview with the wife of a Syrian pastor. She and her husband actually pastor a church in the country of Syria. For their safety, I can't get into super specifics, but as Nancy Rizkala and I watched this video, one line stood out to me above all others. The Western church needs us, she said. Western Christians need our Syrian brothers and sisters in Christ, this woman said, because they, the Syrian Christians, know what it's like to follow God through and in persecution. And that's a knowledge that the Western church, us, we simply don't have to any similar degree. Pray for us, she says, but also pray with us. 
pray alongside us, and we are praying for you. We need each other in order to know and to follow Christ more fully. Y'all, it is so deliciously tempting to move through this world as a peacekeeper, to see no evil, hear no evil, to speak no evil. But when that evil is real, it is our Christian duty through the power and the love of Christ to act as peacemakers, just as Jesus calls us to do. When that evil is real, Christ's love motivates and empowers us to look that evil dead on in the face, to see it for what it truly is. Motivates us to hear the stories of those affected by conflicts and to hear the stories of the evildoers. And finally, to speak the truth of Christ's love against the evil that we see and hear. Victor Boutros is a human trafficking attorney down in D.C. Alongside Gary Hagen, who is the head of the Christian organization International Justice Mission, these two guys wrote a book last year that's called The Locust Effect. In this book, they diagnose one of the root causes of poverty across the globe as conflict and violence. They argue that when police brutality, violence against women, human trafficking, and insecure property rights are the norm, it becomes far more difficult for people to escape the daily mundane cycles of poverty. This shows that conflict on a global scale destroys life. We know that our God created life and cherishes life. God is pro-life. So of course God is going to care about the conflicts that threaten life across the globe. Paul's question from Romans 7, who will save us from this world of death? Thanks be to God who delivers us through Christ Jesus. To answer the question of global conflict, we must look to God. So who is our God? God is a God who loves building up rather than tearing down. God loves construction rather than destruction. Hear this from Isaiah 2. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation nor will they train for war anymore. In this passage, God calls us to take up our weapons of destruction and turn them into tools of production. This is on a global scale to be sure, but what does it mean for you? What are your weapons of destruction? Maybe it's your tongue, your gossip. Maybe it's your Snapchats or the memes that you create on your phone. Many of y'all know this, but for a teenager, a simple birthday post on Instagram, or lack thereof, can be one of the greatest weapons of destruction known to mankind. So turn your swords into plowshares, your spears into pruning hooks, and your subtweets into messages of encouragement, because this is our God. Next, just a few chapters on later in Isaiah 11, we see a God who unites enemies under his care. Hear this, 11.6. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. 
the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The knowledge of the Lord is pervasive, and that is what eradicates conflict. Y'all, in the face of global conflict, what are we to do? We don't have all the answers. We don't have a 12-step plan for peace in the Middle East. That's why questions are good. So let's talk about this. But what we do have is a God who hates evil, loves justice, and does everything that he ever does through time and space out of an overflowing of his deep and rich love and mercy for us. So in the face of global conflict, we're called to look to this, our God. We look to Christ in confidence, which then gives us the courage to see conflicts around us as they truly are and to go forth into the world as the hands and feet of Christ. We know interpersonal conflict. We know global conflict. The final conflict that we're talking about this morning, this final sphere, is perhaps the most crazy. We're talking about cosmic conflict, the conflict that has existed between humanity and God. You know the story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God did all this stuff in Eden to bring about his creation, and it was good. It was so good. Everything was working exactly how it was supposed to work. Everything was in sync. Everything was in harmony. Adam and Eve were in harmony with God. They were in right relationship to their creator. There's a word the Bible uses. This word is shalom. You may recognize this word. It's pretty common greeting, actually. It just means peace. Shalom is what God created. Shalom is so much deeper than just, just peace, just peace. Shalom is a deep, abiding wellness. Shalom is wholeness and fulfillment and a sense that everything is exactly in its place and everything is exactly as it should be. This is shalom. But you know the next part of this cosmic story the Bible teaches us. Sin enters in to shalom and breaks it. Sin breaks the deep abiding peace that God created and that we once enjoyed with him. It is sin which mars this. Sin, the active rebellion against God's goodness, the active taking on the mantle of lordship over and against God. It's our sin to say, hey, we don't trust you, God. We can do better for ourselves. We know better than you do. So I'm going to run away from you. I'm going to hide from you. I'm going to disobey you. That is sin. That is that the root 
of our cosmic conflict with God. Genesis 3.15 is what God says. This is God's curse to the serpent. And I will put enmity, enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and he, you will strike his heel. This is God's word to Eve talking about this cosmic enmity that exists because of sin. This hostility to God continues. Paul explains it later in Romans 8. The mind governed by the flesh, that's us outside of Christ, is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. We have a problem, friends. We have a problem greater than all others, and that problem is sin. Sin is messy. Sin is hard to talk about. It's hard to admit there are many of us who don't like to talk about our sin. But it's sin that is at the root of our cosmic conflict with God. And there is no other solution to the cosmic conflict of sin than the coming of Christ. That is why our adventure from conflict to peace can only be in Christ Jesus. That is why we're talking about this cosmic conflict so close to Christmas, the day where we celebrate the coming of Christ into our world. Christ comes to eradicate sin. Christ comes to live the perfect life, to pay the penalty for our sin, to die the death that our sin should have led us to, and then to rise again. Christ beats death. Christ spits at sin in its face and says, no longer do you have any power because I am the righteous one who says no to sin. Christ is the one who ends this cosmic conflict once and for all. We are still mired in this sin ourselves outside of Christ. Christ is the only solution. We try, y'all. We try to do it ourselves, but it does not work. It's all about Christ. So as we close this morning, we have one more passage. This passage is one of the greatest gifts of Scripture that God gives us. This passage from Colossians 1 speaks about conflict in the end, speaks about this cosmic enmity between us and God, but it revels, it basks in enjoying the supremacy of the person of Christ. So pop open your Bibles to Colossians 1 or close your eyes and enjoy this gift from God. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, 
and through him to reconcile himself to all men, to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled to you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, you do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Friends, Christ in everything has the supremacy. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ. That's what we celebrate one week from today. That's Christmas. God reconciles all things to himself, making peace through the blood of Christ. Once upon a time, we humans were alienated, enemies, evil. But now, he has reconciled us through Christ's death to present us as holy, without blemish, and free from accusation. If you're sitting here this morning and don't know this Christ, know now that he is real and he is powerful and he is sweet. He is good. He is the one who binds your wounds and heals your conflicts. He is the one who saves you from the sin that is in you. He loves you. He loves you. What better time than now to invite him into your life? And if you do know Christ, the call is clear. Continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. What glorious hope from conflict to peace. Amen.